0: It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey, and welcome back to the Chaos to Connected podcast. Today I want to talk about sibling relationships and also give a little bit of extra special attention to Sibling relationships, when one of the siblings are your children, or maybe it's somebody in your care, maybe if you're a teacher or daycare pro- provider or something, is maybe more impulsively aggressive. So, the first thing, I'm going to give you six six things that can help you build sibling relationships because I truly learned the hard way. So there were so many things that I was unintentionally doing that was creating this cycle of probably causing my oldest more stress and more dislike to his younger brother. I mean, for the first year to year and a half, I could probably count on one hand the times that he like actively chose to give him a hug. And that was really crushing for me at the time. There were a lot of factors that went into that. One of them being, I did a horrible job preparing him. He was a very, or is a sensitive, like highly sensitive child, has a highly sensitive personality. And I was just having a really hard time um, figuring out that dynamic. With another child and how that would look and almost like feeling bad for him kind of I think I'm also Someone with a highly sensitive personality And there was just a lot of factors going on at that time Just sleep was really difficult as I was coming to the end of my pregnancy not for myself, but For him and I just didn't know a lot of these connection strategies. I wasn't implementing them I didn't know about them And so I wasn't able to kind of help him work through a lot of these things that I know now back then because I just didn't know them. And so I feel like I like fostered this distance between them. And so I really want to just take some time today to share some ways that maybe you are doing as well that you're not even really thinking might cause a little extra rift between your children. And so the first one is to really pay attention to the language you're using. So you might have heard this one already. This is especially, you know, common if you're, if you have a newborn or a baby or you're nursing a baby, we have to feed the baby or something. And instead of saying like, I can't right now because I need to go feed your brother or sister or whatever, just saying, you know, I need to, uh, I'll be back in a few minutes Can you go pick out a book to read and then I'll read it to you or something? But not using the sibling as an excuse or not an excuse, but a reason as to why you can't do something with them, even if it's very legitimate. Obviously, feeding your baby (laughs) is a necessity, right? But our other children, sometimes that it doesn't matter to them. They are just feeling the disconnection and they're really wanting your attention and they don't necessarily care or maybe have the ability the ability to think outside of their feelings in that moment, especially depending on their age. So first one is pay attention to what you're saying and how you're utilizing like the times when you have to draw your attention away from maybe the child that has a harder time or is tends to be more aggressive or it's just the older sibling having to adjust to a younger sibling. Number two, encouraging play together. So If you are in the same position as me, my kids tended to get in a fight really quickly. And so it's really easy to be on like heightened awareness level and constantly wanting to jump in or constantly um, ready to say something, especially to the older child or the one who tends to be more aggressive. um, When you think a conflict might arise, maybe it hasn't started yet, but you're just so keenly aware that it's going to happen, right? And so sometimes... I think that we jump in a little bit too soon and when we can just take a step back, unless obviously there's signs of like their hand is raising or their foot is, you know, lifting back and they're ready to actually attack, (laughs) that's different. But oftentimes we can jump in a little bit too soon. And when I have taken the extra second to like wait to say what I'm about to say or just observe a little bit longer, a lot of times it doesn't actually turn out the way that I thought it would. And had I stepped in, I would have taken away that opportunity for them to work it out for themselves. Um, and just encouraging like that problem solving. And, um, that kind of leads into the next one to stop splitting them apart when challenging situations arise. So encouraging play, um, that might look like playing something actually together, but that might also look like maybe there's been a hard day. Maybe they haven't gotten along the best. Maybe there's been some aggressive episodes already and you just can't. What I would encourage is for you to have them do the same thing. For example, maybe you're going to read some books. Maybe you're going to play Play-Doh or in a sensory bin or something like that. They can still be playing the same thing, but separately in a confined area so for example that might sound confusing but what i'll often do is we'll set up you know play-doh on one of our coffee tables or a, like a lower table that's easier for kids to play on and put the supplies kind of in the middle i will sit in between them so that they each have their space so i can easily step in if i need to if it's been a challenging time already and then there's still you know, they're still reaching into the same bucket for different Play-Doh. They're still reaching for different things that they might need to use on the Play-Doh. And I'm still allowing that opportunity for them to be playing next to each other, playing something similar, but also allowing for that space when they need it. So still encouraging play together. And that might even look like if one of your kids is saying, well, I don't want to play or he can't play, you know, just having conversations about, you know, we're not just going to leave him out, just kind of talking through that situation, what that might look like and um, talking about maybe how you could play together. That is going to feel good for both of them. Maybe your oldest sibling doesn't want the younger sibling to play. Well, how could we talk about a way that he could engage with us that maybe wouldn't interfere with what you're trying to do, right? Because younger kids might not be able to play a certain game to the level at which our older kids can play. And I still think there's a way that we can all kind of play together and just have it work out. There might just need to be a little bit more problem solving there, which leads me to my next point, which I said was number three, stop splitting them apart when challenging situations arise. This can be really hard and this is something I would do all the time as soon as there was some attack on one or the other, I would immediately pull them apart and say, how about you go play over there and you go play over there, or let's go over here and you stay over here and play. And what I wasn't really thinking about is like, that is creating more distance between them. That's not teaching them how to play together. It's separating them, which I felt like I needed, but it's missing a huge component. So um, instead of doing that, I would really encourage you to start shifting your mindset, their mindset on how can we work it out together? How can we make it so that the other child can participate? Or how can we make it so that, you know, he's not interfering with, with what you want to do, but he is still, you know, he's still participating. Or if they're fighting over you know, the same toy or something. Like, how can we work this out? How can we figure out a solution? And nine times out of 10, my oldest has a thought every single time. And it's actually a really good one. But when I was immediately separating them, I wasn't allowing time and space for that to occur. So for not allowing that, how can we expect in the, in the heat of the moment when impulse control is low for our kids to be able to stop and think, Hmm. he really wants to take this toy, but I really want the toy. What could we do instead? So that's really what I'd encourage here is that you are modeling how to problem solve together, how to work together. And that's not going to happen when you're separating them into different corners. Now maybe you need to do that every now and then, but I would just encourage you if you were like me who did that every time to, you know, cut back a little bit. Okay, number four, and I think this is really, really important, especially if you have a a child that's older or a child that tends to be a little bit more aggressive, and that is to get both sides. Oftentimes, we want to run to the one that got hurt, which obviously if they're seriously hurt... Go there first. But oftentimes we want to want, run over there and be protective over them and, you know, shame on you to the other one. Why would you do that? But we're not really taking time to understand what the context was, what happened here. Why, why, I don't usually try to say, why did you hit? I usually try to say, tell me, you know, tell me what happened or tell me your side of the story or something like that. Because I want to know from my child's perspective what actually occurred or what they feel like occurred because sometimes maybe it didn't happen exactly like they're thinking it does, but we can then get a peek into how they are taking it in. For example, a lot of times my youngest might be laughing and my oldest will say, I don't want him to laugh at me or stop laughing at me. And it's Him thinking that his younger brother is laughing at him, which he doesn't like, when in reality, his brother is enjoying whatever he's doing and he's laughing because it's making him feel happy, not because he's laughing directly at my oldest. And so I think it gives you a good picture of either, you know, what happened that you didn't see or what your child is perceiving that happens. And again, so many times when I have actually stopped to ask, my oldest will be like, I asked him to stop three times, <laughs> or I did this, and he just kept coming after me. And so it allows us to see, like, oh, our child did actually do what we wanted. And three times for a five year old being attacked is pretty good <laughs> when they tend to be more impulsive and they actually are improving. It's just we maybe then need to be um, stepping in a little bit sooner if possible. Number five, and again this is a really good one if you have a child that tends to be more aggressive or um, impulsively aggressive when they are dysregulated or become upset, and that is to give general guidelines or directions versus focusing on that child who might be more aggressive when they become upset. Because Again, like I was talking about before, when we have a child that tends to be aggressive, we often are just like, you know, zoning in and we should be watching them. If we know our kid is aggressive, we should be attentive. But there's a difference between being attentive and um, jumping in immediately because we think something's going to happen versus something is actually going to occur and being able to recognize signs that it is actually coming versus just you know, always trying to put out a fire that's not even there yet. And so um, when we, a lot of times when our child is aggressive, we might hear something from across the room that we can't see and immediately jump to thinking that it's, something bad that's occurring to our other child. So for example, um, like my oldest sometimes likes to make animal noises like lion. So he's like roaring. And in my mind, my mind, because I know that he tends to be more aggressive, automatically goes to, "Uh oh, he's like attacking his brother. And so I want to shout something in terms of like, leave him alone, that sort of thing. When in reality, he was you know, roaring at a bug, a grasshopper, trying to get it to hop away. And so if we just give some general guidelines, some general direction for what to do, it puts both children a little bit more at ease. Your child who tends to be more aggressive doesn't feel like you're hyper-focusing on them because just like, you know, for example, if you worked somewhere and you, had to have a superior be training you and then they have to watch what you're doing to make sure you're doing it right. Like how much easier is it for you to feel more stress and mess up more easily or do something that you might not have done because you feel extra pressure. That's like what we're doing to our children when we're just hyper focusing on them versus just giving general directions to both both parties involved. Okay and the last one and this one is really important. And that is to cut out the competition. And I really recognized this about a year ago as just my kids were getting a little bit older. Instead of always racing, and seeing who's the fastest or who can get done first try competing together to beat something like the amount of time that there is for so like for example in getting ready for bed instead of saying okay whoever let's like let's see who can get their jammies on the fastest try and say let's see if you can both get dressed in 2 minutes or something so they're still competing and you know doing all that sort of thing. That's kind of fun, but they are competing against a clock, not against each other. Or cleaning up instead of who can clean up the room faster or who can clean up the most toys. Try like, can we get the rooms cleaned up in X amount of time? Or before, you know, the dishwasher is done or something and have them compete together So they're working together and then you're also removing that, um, almost like putting each other or putting them against each other because if one wins, one loses. And then I've just found that my oldest really clings onto that and that's really something that he takes and runs with. So, and I think it's because we patterned that a lot. You know, we, we raced a lot and it wasn't necessarily with both of them together, but As he was younger, it was always, you know, just trying to be faster, trying to do it fast because we didn't know how else to manage certain things because there was a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions. And I didn't know any of the connection strategies at that point. And so a lot of the racing is what got him engaged. And so now it's really about um, creating the connection between them and helping them work together versus having them in competition Um, with each other. So I hope that was really helpful. I'm just going to quickly read through the six again. Number one, watch your language. Take the sibling's name out of the reason that you can't attend immediately to your other child. Number two, encouraging play together, which might look like doing the same thing. It might look like doing the same thing but a little bit separated if it's been a rough day. Number 3, stop splitting them apart when challenging situations arise and really help model and teach and train them how to problem solve and how to work together to come up with a solution. Number 4, get both sides. This is really 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 important. Number 5, give general guidelines and directions instead of focusing on your child that might be more aggressive so that you're not increasing their stress level which then increases those behaviors that we don't want to come out and number six cut out the competition with each other i hope that was helpful for you i know there's so many times where we are just you know we're doing our best we are unintentionally encouraging some of these behaviors and so i just hope that maybe you found some some tangible strategies to take from here and start implementing them to help really build the sibling relationship that you want for your children. So if this helped you in any way if you felt encouraged by it. I would really, really love if you would not only go and leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, but also share it with another mom who you know might be struggling or take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories so that more people can get these tips and hopefully start helping that sibling relationship helping nurture it helping it to bring fruit forward and to encourage the kids to play together because I finally am starting to see that and it's such a sigh of relief when you can actually you know you're still in the room but you can actually do something while your kids are playing together it has been two and a half years and it's finally happening and I would love for other families to have that encouragement as well so I will talk with you next week Real quick, before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and tag me, at Josiah, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I'd love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it now. Go get connected. I'll see you next week.